You're listening to audio from the Rail City campus of CA Church. We are a church fervently committed to bringing the good news to the city of Port Moody. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. My name is Nathan, and I'm one of the leaders here at the church. And uh, we are a church that started back in September, uh, really with the passion of the gospel. And we are a church that wants to bring to the gospel, bring the gospel to the city of Port Moody. And so if it's your first time here, we want to let you know that you are welcomed. As a church, we've been going through a series, uh, I Am, Jesus in His Own Words. And so far, Cam started this series off uh, talking about how Jesus claimed before Abraham, I am. Now, to us today, it's like, okay, that's some play on words. But back in those times, it was actually a significant claim that he made because essentially he was claiming to not only be equal with God, but to be God. And that is something that, uh, that's an extraordinary claim that should really shake us up. Last week, David continued the series and preached on, can anyone recall? I am the bread. That's right. Ten points for you, Tom. Thank you. <laughs> Did you yet? Yeah. Uh, yes, David preached uh, on Jesus saying that I am the bread of life. And where he talks about how it is necessary uh, that as we uh, need food, as we need sustenance, we need Jesus within our own lives. And so... As we continue this series, uh, the theme that we're going to be talking about today is light. We are going to be talking about light. And we're going to find it in John chapter 8, verse 12. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 8, verse 12. Just in case you don't have a Bible, we have it right here on the screen where you can follow along. Uh, We believe the Bible is written by people, but inspired by God's spirit. And so we hold these words uh, very highly. They're very valuable. And so in honor of reading God's word, let's all stand together and read these words together. Again, this is John 8, chapter 12. Chapter 8, sorry, John 8 to 12. (laughs) Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered, even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am the one who bears witness about myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your Father? Jesus answered, you know neither me nor my Father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his time has not yet come. Lord Jesus, as we enter into this text, as we enter into this story, may you settle our hearts and may you illuminate our minds, Father, in which we can receive the words in which you have spoken here today. I thank you for my friends that are here. Uh, They're not here by accident, God but may use me as a mouthpiece to speak your truth today in your name. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. 
So context uh, is always important. Every sermon I have, I always have a call back to context because it's just so key. Uh, recently, I've been watching Stranger Things. I finished the new season. Uh, my wife, Christina, though, she only watched the first episode of the first season. And I was really impatient. And I was like, you know what? That's okay. Let's watch the last two episodes. It'll be fine. But as we're watching it, every minute we'd watch, and then I'd have to pause, explain the context and the story. Okay, let's go again. Another man passed, okay, we've got to pause. Oh, yeah, this happens here and here. And so <laughs> really the point is, is that context is important. Context is key. What it allows us to do is uh, it gives us a backstory in the larger story. It helps us locate where we are at within a story. And so the context for this passage can actually be found in verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. Some scholars say that the treasury area uh, was an area where they practiced something called a illumination ceremony. And in John chapter 7, this was, uh, it sets the place and time in which all this is taking place during the Feast of Booths, also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. And what these feasts represented uh, is really just a time to remember uh, how God has brought through uh, Israel, freeing them from slavery, bringing them through the desert. And really, it's to remember what God has done for the people of Israel. One of the ways they did it was through an illumination ceremony. So it would be a callback, essentially, uh, of reminding the people of Israel how God brought them through the desert. That when they traveled through the desert at night, God would lead them through with a pillar of fire. The pillar of fire would be the way in which God would lead them. This pillar of fire would light the way through a dark desert. As the pillar of light moved, so did the Israelites. If it stopped, they stopped. They'd take a right, they would take a right, take a left, take a left. Wherever you went, you followed the pillar of light as it moved forward. But the challenging thing was, is that if you got left behind, if you didn't pack up your stuff and leave, then you would be lost, essentially in darkness. And again, remember, this is a time where there's no GPS, there's no maps, there's no, no highways, no streetlights, uh, and so direction is very important. I know this for myself. Just ask Christina as I drive when we try to get to somewhere and I get lost. <laughs> so directions is very important. And so if you get lost during the desert at night, essentially you'd be walking in darkness alone, stumbling over, not knowing where to go. But God would lead the way for Israel with a pillar of light, leading them to the promised land. So this ceremony here would celebrate how God would lead Israel. And so we have a slide here uh, of how the context and the setting would have looking like. So this right here is in temple. And exactly how, how it worked is that within this court area, there would be four large beams standing up to 73 feet high. These beams would be lit uh, in which it would, it would shine so brightly that all the light could cover across uh, the land. One scholar put it this way, he who has not beheld this celebration has never seen joy in his life. Okay, you think lights at Lafarge during Christmas is something? No, 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 right here, this takes it. <laughs> Again, remember, this is during a place and time in which there were no uh, lights from, from, the, from the city, from your phones, from whatever. And so to see this, this would be a sight to see. This right here is the context. Jesus is standing within this area of the courtyard. And as the ceremony is over, 
and the lights go out and they wait another year for it to be lit, Jesus is standing here and he makes a claim. A claim that is very serious and a claim uh, that should really uh, catch our attention. He's in front of the religious leaders and the claim that he makes is in verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As Jesus is standing next to these large pillars, just as Israel led, uh, just as God led Israel through the desert, in the same way Jesus is saying to you and I that he is the light, not only for Israel, but for the entire world. How do we know where to go when life gets dark? Well, we follow the Israelites, we copy them. But instead of following a pillar of light, we follow Jesus, who is the light of the world. Now, why does this matter? Well, this would matter for a few reasons. The first one is this. Jesus claims to be the light of the world, not a light in the world. In our Canadian context, uh, we like to be accepting and embracing. We don't want to be offensive, right? We want to hold everyone's claim equally so that we don't step on anyone's toes. I remember taking an Uber and uh, the driver who I was talking to were talking about spirituality. And one of the things that he was saying, oh, you know, all religions are the same. It's all the same. You can take one way. You could have taken a taxi. You could have taken a bus. You might have gone a different route. But essentially, you would end up at the exact same place. And that's how religion is like. But when Jesus says that he is the light of the world, it is an exclusive claim. It's an exclusive claim. He's not saying that he is a light of the world. He's not saying that his teaching is illuminating, but he's saying he is the light of the world. Continue on the sentence. We can see the second movement here, that whoever follows him will not walk in darkness. Throughout the book of John, darkness is characterized really as not being able to see, this sort of blindness that overtakes you and, uh, and you can't see anything. Now, when we experience darkness, there can be moments of, of panic and chaos. We've all experienced this before, right? When there's a power outage, lights go out, what's the first thing we do? We try to feel our way out, make sure we're all good, and we find a source of light. Now, you see, in the darkness, we try to feel our way, and we try to find anything that can help us through. But in this case, darkness is talking about spiritual blindness, it's talking about a spiritual blindness, that in the darkness, we're unable to see the clear reality of God, of ourselves, and of others. We are left in the dark. My dad, uh, he used to work on board ships, and he would tell me and my brothers these stories all the time of where he traveled uh, just like to so many places. One of the stories he had was when he was uh, traveling at sea one night, uh, and it was really dark. It was so dark that if you were to close your eyes and to open them, it would look exactly the same. That's how dark it was. And if we're honest with ourselves, within our own lives, there is a darkness that exists. To take it another little bit deeper, there's a darkness that, that exists and where we all stumble and fall. John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus tells us that, if, that tells us that if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. We stumble and we fail in loving God and loving people. That even if our eyes were open, there would still be darkness. Now, if I ended the sermon here, that'd be pretty bleak. 
and Cam would not ask me to preach again. <laughs> but here's the good news, is that whoever follows Jesus, whoever follows him, will have the light of life. Since Jesus is the light of the world, he makes clear the reality of God and of others. And the good news is, is that Jesus is saying to you today, stop stumbling around the darkness. I am the light. Come, follow me. He's inviting us to follow him. That as the light of the world, he saves us from, from darkness, from sin and brokenness. Ultimately, he does this by dying on a cross. Jesus defeats the darkness. I was praying with a friend this morning, and he was saying that there is power in Jesus' name. Jesus has the victory, that the darkness cannot overcome the light, but the light eradicates all darkness. He does this by dying on a cross. The light of the world is not this ambiguous understanding of good. It's not some secret teaching to be illuminated. It's not a group of people with blue lightsabers and a small green alien. But the light of the world is a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. He comes to save us from the darkness. This is the claim that he is making. And this claim is now challenged. It is challenged by the religious leaders. But not only is it challenged, but it's also countered by Christ. In verses 13 to 18, we see the challenge here up on the slide. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Essentially, they're questioning, okay, how do we know that you're a light of the world? You're saying this about yourself. It must not be true. The Pharisees, again, who are the top religious leaders of the time, uh, give him this challenge. And they knew this by a Jewish law. It was normal within the Jewish time that they had this law that in order for a claim to be true, you needed two people to validate it. You needed two people to testify just so that the claim can be like, okay, it, it all checks out. In North America, we have a similar system. Maybe some of you have seen the news uh, regarding the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial case. The whole case was, was televised, and essentially throughout uh, the whole court case, they would call up witnesses, right, to testify about the relationship, to what was going on. And here it's the same idea. Jesus right now, in a way, is on trial. This trial uh, leads to the counter of Jesus. He, he gives a counter in verse 14. Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I come from, and I know where I am going. Another way that uh, a scholar puts it this way is that he, his testimony is based off the first-hand knowledge of heaven, that he had come from there and that he is returning. And from this, he knows what he is saying is true, based off a of first-hand knowledge of heaven. And later it refers back to verse 15 and 16. That when it comes to the idea of judgment, he's not judging off a worldly standard, but he's judging off a heavenly standard. There's another way in which he sees things, a standard of which is with God the Father. So encountering the Pharisees, Jesus is saying that he is coming from the first-hand knowledge from heaven and that he judges by heavenly standard. He's also saying that the one who reigns over heaven is actually the one that testifies with him, bears witness to him, saying that, yes, he is the light of the world. Now, hold on. We need to think about this for a moment. God the Father, the one who, who bears witness to Jesus, 
the one who knows all things, who made all things, who holds all things in his hands, the one whose essence is, is, is justice and love and mercy and grace and creativity. You're telling me God the Father, he is the one who bears witness to Jesus saying that he is the light of the world? This is a serious claim. And this is something I think we have to pay attention to. That as we look out throughout this whole series of the I Am series, right, seeing uh, the, the, the statements that Jesus says, it is very serious because uh, with what's been presented before us, maybe you're new to the faith or maybe you're exploring. Something to take into consideration, uh, C.S. Lewis notes uh, really some of the conclusions that we can come with. And there's uh, a quote here, and it says this, I am ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is one thing we must not say. A man who is merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. Let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. So in a way, the ball is in our court. With Jesus being the light of the world, with, with the words that was recorded throughout the Gospels, do we believe him to be a liar, a lunatic, or Lord? He has not left a space for him just to be a moral teacher. That in a way comes to his claim about being the light of the world, based off the first-hand knowledge of heaven and that he claims that God the Father testifies on his behalf, what will our response be? What will it be? The story continues, and we see the third movement here, which deals with a question and conviction. So again, the Pharisees, thinking on a human level, are thinking to themselves, okay, well, where is your father? Where is he at? I know for the iPhone, they have a, a tracker location where you can find my friends and stuff. I'm a Samsung. I can't relate, but it's so fascinating. Jesus, show me your iPhone. Where is the Father? <laughs> He's asking him this question. But what is interesting is that Jesus doesn't answer their question, but he, he rather responds through a conviction. He cuts straight to their heart. He gets straight to the point. And really, he says this, you know neither me nor my Father. He doesn't answer the exact location of God, the Father, but he answers a question that cuts to the heart of it all and convicts the Pharisees. And what's fascinating is that the Pharisees are the ones who studied the Old Testament. They lived and breathed it. They, they knew it inside and out from backwards to forwards. And that you were to think that if there was anyone who knew God, the Father, it would be them. But they didn't. That is because there is a spiritual blindness that exists. And this is concerning because I know for myself there, there are moments where I play the game of church. Being a church leader, doing the tasks, doing the stuff, but still miss out on God. Still miss out on the light of the world. And if I'm going to be honest, working on this message was a challenge it was a challenge because at times I know that I'm just convicted knowing that there are moments where 
I rely on myself. I try to conjure up some, some light within my own heart. But time and time again, it, it fails. It fails. Because there's only one true light of the world. If we look at ourselves, we'll be in the dark. But we look at Jesus and we follow him, there is light. There is light. We continue on in the story in verse 19. He tells us this, if you knew me, you would know my father also. Another way of putting it is this, is that if you want to know God the father, if you want to know God, look at his son. Look at God the son. He says to us today that he is the light of the world. A, a, a funny, a, a criticism typically about Christianity or, or, you know, theism in general or those who believe in God. Well, if God was real, why didn't he come down and just reveal himself and make himself known? Well, he did. 2,000 years ago, he sent his son Jesus to come into this world to be the light for all. Maybe some of us today have been walking in darkness. In fact, maybe you're very familiar with it. That when you close your eyes and that when you open it, it looks exactly the same. But I want you to, li to listen very carefully here because, again, what Jesus is saying to you and I, what he's saying to us, stop stumbling around the darkness. I am the light of the world. Come and follow me. I will lead you. I will guide you. I will bring you through. And what a great reminder this is because this is a lifelong journey that we're in. It's not that you get it once and you're fine for the rest of your life, but it's a continual putting your trust in Jesus and following him through the darkness where he is the light of the world. Where he walks, we'll walk. When he stops, all right, we'll stop. He'll take a right, okay, we'll take a right. Take a left, okay, we'll take a left. Jesus, the light of the world. We follow him, we'll be able to see. We'll have the light of life. We'll have life within us. He makes all things clear. And so I want to call up the, the team right now um, and I'll lead us through a prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for my friends. Thank you for giving us your light and guiding us through, defeating darkness and saving us from our sin. In this story, Lord, that we have went through, May you continually remind us and invite us within the story to trust in you, to see you as the light of the world and follow you wherever you go. Thank you for my friends in this moment as we lead into communion in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca slash rail city to find out more information about getting involved in the life and mission of the Rail City campus of CA Church.